Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B, Bobby Blaze. Hey, hey, man, it's me, Double B. I guess we're going to ride that out as long as we can, Jeremy. I'm telling you, until I get a cease and desist, we're using it. That's right, man. Double A's favorite enhancement talent, Bobby Blaze. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back on the program. We got a special guest with us this week. We were having some technical difficulties. I hopefully we have that all, all, all cleared up by now. Um, I know we got a couple things of some uh, house cleaning we have to do, Jeremy. But I'm gonna go ahead and bring on our guest if you don't mind. Sure thing. Uh, I know her as Paige. Uh, she's a real sweetheart of a girl. I think the world of this girl. She's uh, b- black. Um, Dyla, Dyla, I always pronounce that fucked up. Anyway, uh, Paige, welcome to the show. She is the chainsaw queen of pro wrestling. And I've noticed several things here that she's trained under Funaki and also Rikishi. But I, I saw this young girl when she was just out managing and encouraged her to get her ass to the ring and train. So listen here, chainsaw queen, speak up for me. Let me hear your voice or you're out there somewhere. Hello, guys. Hey, Bobby. Thanks for the introduction. That is right. You are the OG when it comes to getting me involved with the business. So thanks for having me on. How are you guys? Good. Good. How's things in your world? Good. Just uh, just sitting outside of the gym waiting to go get my pump on. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, all right. You, uh, the other voice on the line is a great professor, uh, Jeremy Vilmer. So uh, he, I'm sure he has some chainsaw questions for you. Uh, won't you just bring us up to date to uh, you know what's going on? I know you um, you you know, you you have made a uh, from the time I met you. Your trip has been very very out there, man. I know you went to San Antonio and L.A. and Cincinnati. Just kind of fill people in a little bit about your trip into professional wrestling, how you became involved in it uh, way back when, and then also some of the, you know, just kind of fill us in a little bit of story and, and catch us up to where you're at right now. Right, right. Well, it's a 10-year-long story. Um, I'll try to make it short and sweet for you guys so you can ask me more questions. But basically, uh, fresh out of high school, I was just a theater kid, and I was going to a local community college in Kentucky at the time, and I got involved with wrestling and I was just a valet and manager. It was just something to put on my acting resume. I didn't know much about the business. Fast forward to from 11 to 15, I just kind of dicked around and I didn't take wrestling too seriously. wasn't trying to get booked, was just, was just, um, just having fun with it and not taking it too seriously. And then I came across this gentleman named Bobby blaze and he basically shot it to me straight and said that, I need to take it seriously. Like I need to do something with the business because I could possibly make a career out of it. And I was like, crap, like, what do you mean? And he's like, you need to be a wrestler. So I don't know if you remember this, Bobby, but um, I met up with you um, and you had some guys set up a ring for us in the backyard. Mm -hmm. It was um, out in the open, in the environment, in someone's yard. And you were the first person to lock up with me. And I kid you not, I don't know if you remember this detail, but it started raining on us and we just kept on going. Like it, my first experience in a wrestling ring after being in the business for almost five years to properly actually start training was outside in a wrestling ring in the rain, locking up with Bobby Blaze. And he's like, (laughs) I got to interject and ask a question here. Uh, Bobby, Bobby, were you teaching her the heel lock up? (laughs) 
<laughs> no. What's that? Uh, it, it, it's, it's, uh, oh, uh, well, we had a guy said he'd been wrestling, trained under the uh, original Crusher, and um, he said uh-huh. there was a heel lockup, and of course there's no such thing as a heel lockup, thus you're asking, <laughs> what's that? That's Jeremy's comeback for that, too, because he asked me. Okay. Uh, you know, I do remember that, and uh, people yeah. that know me know I very, I, I am very select uh, uh, who I lock up with uh, when I'm helping someone or train someone. Um, I have to get a real good feel for that person because uh, I don't trust them with my neck because my neck has been underneath the knife before. So, um yeah. yeah, but I do remember that. I do recall that. And um, I'll let you know, just giving a shout out to AOG, the Art of, Grapple, Art of Grappling. Uh, we do have a school now page and it's going quite well. And uh, we would yeah. love to have you back sometime to come in and train with us again, Talking that you'll grace us with your presence uh, back in the <laughs> ring. But anyway, yes, I do remember that. I started writing and we had the old tarp on there. It started getting real slick, uh, real yes. quick. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Learning how but to I had, um, lock up, learning a headlock, and even somewhat running the ropes in that yes. slippery ring. And we you, just did it. We did it for like a couple hours, and it was just yeah. so fun. Well, you took to it like a duck to water, honey. What can I say? You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you started and, running the ropes. You did good in a, in a, in a slick ring. So. Yeah. So after that, I um, you just told me, dude, get out of Kentucky because you knew my situation. I was <laughs> yeah. homeless for the first time. You're like, get the F out of here and do something with yourself. And um, I was homeless at the time. I was sleeping in my vehicle. For the two times I've been homeless, I had a night shift shoot job. So every time I was homeless sleeping in my vehicle, I had to sleep in the vehicle during the daytime. And you knew how bad my situation was. And you're like, just go, like get out and go and get properly trained and do this. So I went, I was blessed enough to go to San Antonio, Texas, and um, I uh, linked up with Funaki, and I trained under Funaki for four to six months. Uh, it was uh, roughly around that time because I was dealing with my um, uh, apartment situation. So when I trained under Funaki, he taught me the basics. He was literally the type of guy that wanted to be there. If he wasn't off with WWE, he was there. Monday through Saturday it was six days of training and so what I would do my shoot job at the time was Walmart and I would work night shift at Walmart 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. and then I'd go to Planet Fitness at 7 a.m. when I got off work worked out showered and I his class normally would start like at 10 a.m. so that was plenty of time to get a good workout in so then I would go and do like a three-hour class and his setup was like in this dojo his dojo was like um at this crossfit gym where there was no air conditioning and literally the ring was set up in a corner next to um what is it called a garage door so if it got too hot we opened up the garage door but it's san antonio texas the heat is unreal (laughs) so i'm literally going off of working at walmart which is manual labor job i'm literally unloading semi trucks stocking freight to getting a quick pump on in the gym to being in this garage training under Funaki. And then after that, I would go home and die. <laughs> and I would do that six days. I would literally do that for six days out of the, the week, as long as Funaki was there, you know, not, not off doing right. a, a work with WWE. And then um, just so happens it was 2016 at this time. And uh, WrestleMania was in Dallas, Texas. So I got on an indie show right there, literally in the apartment of um excuse me i was okay i'm side note i'm in my vehicle right now 
and I, I have the windows down and this big ass bumblebee just came in and I literally just about <laughs> shit my panties. Oh my God. I got so distracted. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. But I can't be unprofessional. I, like, do I scream? So it's You're out. You're the scream queen. Scream me time you want. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just got attacked by a big bumblebee. Um, anyway, so we I took all my rent money uh, for my apartment and went up to Dallas, Texas for this indie show. It was like a four-hour drive from San Antonio. And it just so happens the show I was uh, linked up to was uh, called Territory League, and it was Rikishi. And we literally yeah. were in, like, there's WrestleMania, the building that they were in, and there's the parking lot. And in the parking lot, there's a small-ass building, and that was the show I was on. And I met Rikishi, and he told me about his school in L.A. and gave me, uh, he said, come out there and train with us. So I was like, okay, you can't say no to a WWE Hall of Famer. Like, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, take my money. <laughs> so um, I spent the rest of 16. I left Texas, saved a little money. And then I, by the end of 16, I went and started training under Rikishi. I did that for seven months. And the difference with my experience with Rikishi, I had no friends, no family, no one uh, at both places in Texas and in LA. But I literally um, slept out of my vehicle for seven months in the daytime with a shitty ass vehicle that had no air conditioning in it so i would crack my windows because i was scared i was gonna get mugged out there so i would work night shift at walmart sit in an hour worth of traffic in la uh, to get to planet fitness work out at planet fitness shower at planet fitness get in the parking lot and sleep in my vehicle in the hot sun and then Rikishi had class three days a week and i would go into class his class would start like a six in the evening and you had to clean up the school beforehand so i would get to class like um before everyone else and i would do all the chores like bleaching the mat and stuff and cleaning the toilets and i would do all the chores like all the students were supposed to do one thing and i would just do all of them by myself so i could wrestle i was like guys <laughs> listen i'm here to wrestle so you guys are dragging about paying your dues oh dude i'm not even dues. trying to I'm not even trying to gas myself up and say I'm a badass, but I literally wanted to wrestle and all these kids would get to school late. Like say class started at six, you're supposed to get there at five 30 to clean up the school and no one would get there until six, six 15. And I'm just like, guys, I want, I let, let's bleach these mats. And I would do all the chores. <laughs> Nate and I would do all the chores before the other kids would get there. And then we'd start class and literally we were, so I got like maybe two, three hours of sleep in, in my hot vehicle. And then I would wrestle from 6 to 7, 7 to 8, 8 to 9. Well, I have to be at Walmart at 10 to go on night shift. So I would literally leave wrestling and go work at Walmart all night. And that's what I did for seven months. And I, I don't regret it. It was amazing. But I ended up getting injured. So that's my yes. history. That's my story. That's my that's what I did. And if I'm going to toot my own horn, uh, when I was in LA, they wanted me to do the school shows. You sign a contract that you're not allowed to take indie bookings and you're just supposed to do the school shows. I told them, I don't even want to do the school shows. I would show up, set up for their shows. And then I would leave and go work at Walmart instead of doing their shows because I'm like, I'm here to train. I'm not here to play indie superstar. And yeah, whether that was respected or not, I did that. So <laughs> So, um, 
and you've also so we'll talk about your injury in just a second i I know a little bit about you know some of that but let's go back to because i know i know jeremy the professor chomping at the bit so when i met you and you're a beautiful girl guys if you haven't seen her check her at at black underscore dollar 47 on uh, twitter i'm sure she has facebook and instagram as well we'll let i'll let her give those out in just a second but she's very beautiful and um she wore all black at the time and um, had these kick-ass boots, and just, she's got this tiny little waist, and just knockout, okay? So you've went from that to now you're the, uh, which I, I've, I've heard you scream before at the shows I had seen you on when you was just uh, valeting for Nate when he was the rock star. So um, yeah. fast forward, now you've got this whole chainsaw gimmick going on. Smartness up yeah. to that, uh, then we'll come back to some injuries and fill in some other things, But because I know Jeremy has some questions about this whole chainsaw yeah. deal. So go sure. ahead from there, you guys. Okay. Do you want me to just talk about my gimmick now? You and, you and Jeremy talk amongst yourselves. I'm curious myself, okay. you know, yeah, how you yeah. went from this to that. So basically in 2011, I took wrestling. As much as I didn't want to get booked and take it too seriously, I wanted my gimmick to be serious. I wanted it to be more than boobs and butt, if you will. Because during the time period, it was all about breast implants and, and just, I want, I was an actor and I wanted to be taken seriously. So I came up with the gimmick, the Black Dahlia. And I think only one other person has tried to do the gimmick after me, but like in England, but I was the first and only Black Dahlia. I love the gimmick. I, I, I love the character. And now I've added to it. So when I was with Rikishi, he, Rikishi's all about gimmicks. And it was the December of 16 when I came up with the Chainsaw Queen gimmick. And basically, Rikishi wanted me to do a Native American gimmick. And I'm like, listen, I'm mm-hmm. not full-blooded. Like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And they were going to put a Native American gimmick on me out there. And I was like, listen, I don't want to do that. So I wanted to keep the Black Dahlia gimmick, but I wanted to add a spinoff to it. And I pitched the idea to Rikishi about the Chainsaw Queen, and we kind of went with it, and then I ended up getting injured, so, etc. So, basically, Nathaniel and I, instead of him doing a rock star gimmick and me doing Miss Hollywood, the Black Dahlia, I'm still doing my Black Dahlia gimmick because she's a murder victim, but he's doing, like, a Kill Billy gimmick, and basically, we're urban legend slayers, something that's never been done before in the wrestling business. There's been people that have carried chainsaws. There's been people who have done Ed Gein gimmicks, which Ed Gein inspired the Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, movies. Um, and a lot of people have done the Texas Chainsaw Massacre gimmick themselves, especially over in Japan. So all of this has been done before, but not urban legend slayers. So basically, we're like an Ed Gein. We're like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but we have our own spin to it, and we kill serial killers. We kill aliens, Bigfoot extraterrestrials uh like you name it uh um another cryptid we're going to be doing is uh the mothman like there's it's basically we're urban legends ourselves and we're killing and slaying urban legends and wearing their flesh so it's a really badass cool gimmick that nathaniel and i came up with when we were in la and i've gone with the chainsaw queen and i was the first chainsaw queen and i know there's a one girl which i'm actually really good friends with her now but i came up with the Dolly gimmick in 11 and the Chainsaw Queen in December of 16. And after me, I think there's just one, like I said, I'm friends with her, so no heat. But uh, this girl in California is doing a Chainsaw Queen gimmick, but her and I are pals. And I think she started that in 19, so after me. But I, I respect that, and I think it's cool, and we could do something together. But, um, yeah, my if the question is, is the chainsaw real? Yes, it is. <laughs> will it be on shows? <laughs> yes, it will be. <laughs> you run a chain I on it when you run it. 
uh, for promos only. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, something tells me that that probably comes off from time to time, but you know. <laughs> Are we going to expose the business, sir? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, when I was a plumber, I used a chainsaw quite a bit, so I'm pretty familiar with how accidental stuff can happen with them. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you dance with the devil, you're going to get burned, but um, it's not, uh, I have had proper training, so no worries there. So, I'm not some little dainty little girl. Sure. Well, so I got to ask then, I mean, obviously you guys, if you're doing a um, Ed Gein and Black Dahlia, Elizabeth Short kind of inspired characters. Uh-huh. Now, I've actually talked to Nate before a couple of years ago. Uh, before I entered my other show, Geekish Cast, I was going to have him on. And I oh, think cool. I think we were talking about doing it all kayfabe, too, if I remember right. But Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm a big horror guy myself. So I guess my first question would be, you know, what is your favorite horror movie and why is it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> that is so funny. Um, uh, yeah, so a lot of people, um, me who I am today, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just like, it, it, it did something that um, a lot of other horror films hadn't done to, to date because we have all the classic, like the monsters. And then um, me being the theater nerd I am, I, I truly, my answer to the question would be Nusferatus. Like I love black and white films. I oh, love yeah. to study old German uh, films. Film, yeah. There you go. There's the terminology I was looking for. Um, so I, I absolutely adore Nusferatus and all the classics. But with that being said, um, with the Texas Master, it did something that no one had done before and i just i i like the gorilla style film that they did and i i find it so fascinating the history behind it like supposedly they got their money from the mafia and that's why all the actors didn't get paid properly like like who paid for the texture master to be made because no one believed in it at the time to, to to make this film and then to this day when i lived in texas i lived in dallas and then san antonio mm-hmm. and there's motherfuckers out there that believe it was real. Like people that are born and raised in Texas believe that it actually happened. And I'm like, guys, Ed Gein, baby, Ed Gein in another state. <laughs> and I had people trying to persuade me, no, no, it really happened. And it's like, guys, you're from Texas. You're embarrassing yourself. But um, I just think it's the thrill of the unknown, like from cannibalism to just not only torturing and mutilating another human being, but to actually wear their flesh in the ultimate disrespect or to maybe uh, when people like do cannibalistic things and they, they feel like they absorb certain things. I, I, I find that absolutely morbid and fascinating. And then with the Elizabeth short story, um, when I lived in LA, I found the spot where her body was found. It's not a park anymore. It's an actual subdivision. And I laid down to where, where they found her body. And as morbid as that sounds, like I just felt really connected with Elizabeth. And I think she gets a bad rep where everyone depicts her in American Horror Story and all this other, um, all these other Hollywood movies, they depict her as a whore, a slut. And like, she would have done anything to have been famous. And I'm like, no, I think that she was a struggling actress that got in a snuff film or something. I think someone used and abused that poor little girl and she got in a freaking snuff film and got killed. That's what I think happened to her. And now she's depicted as some like, promiscuous prostitute well, that got say, what she deserved every every time she's ever been written in anything they they invent a character for her. it's not actually based on her and that's kind of become an issue with her um it breaks my heart for her yeah. but yeah uh i absolutely respect elizabeth short i respect the character of the black dahlia and it's kind of like a my gimmick before harley quinn was such a big thing like i genuinely like the multi-personality schizophrenic disorder and i always 
portrayed myself as more of Elizabeth, like old Hollywood. But then you got this, like a psychopathic or like the serial killer that like I was a murder victim, but now I'm kind of like back from the dead, if you will. And I'm wreaking havoc on everyone. So that's definitely my whole yeah. gimmick. Um, Okay, so you, you and that fucking killbilly of yours. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask. Nate's a killbilly. Oh well, no, I was just um, oh, well, no, I was sitting there thinking you used to talk about eating flesh. I was sitting there about thinking eating ass. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> wrong show, Bobby. It's the wrong show. Man. That's, that's my show. Yeah, no, no, no. That's all very. That, Bobby. No, it's all, it's all. No, I was just like you're just getting. I, I had no idea about how deeply you're taking this character. I, I really respect that. I, I'm glad you're. Yeah. That's why you have we have you on the show. You know because Thanks, I know Bobby. it's been a hot minute since you know, um, and and so back to so anyway i respect that that you're doing this and i, I said night to kill billy because you know he's also from kentucky and and he's what he like i told you yeah yes, get the like fuck out of here and get some training you know <laughs> yeah and, with um, Nathaniel being from kentucky like he just wanted to like one thing he noticed like he's a small town guy from kentucky and he has a southern accent and everywhere he's gone it was always pointed out about his accent so he was right. always like well, I mean, being around the Samoans and the Samoan dynasty, like everyone had such a gimmick. Like I said, they try to put a Native American gimmick on me. They, they had a, a an Asian guy, and they put a Chinese stereotype gimmick on him. They're all about culture there, and they were all, and that really inspired Nathaniel to do like, well, what do people call people from Kentucky? Hillbillies, and then yeah, right. Nathaniel's always like the wrong turn uh, stories, and what is all the stereotypes of Kentucky at, like from mm-hmm. incest to cannibals to, and he's like, fuck, right. fuck it, that's my gimmick, you know, like, uh, screw the rock star, everyone does rock stars, and I mean, uh, Nathaniel started the rock star gimmick, and next you know, WWE, not even a month later, had the three-man band happen, so Nate's like, everyone has done the rock star and seen the rock star, so how about, instead of just the hillbilly, I'm the killbilly, and it's like, yeah. um, a serial killer, urban legend, like it's just like it's it's like it's one of those things where you want to question: Is this guy really a cannibal? <laughs> <laughs> no. And so, um, and I know you all have went to uh, Area Fifty One, and you also yes. visited the Mothman up in West Virginia. Uh, yeah. So I know you're into all this stuff, but and you're tying all this into your character, and I really dig it a lot. Uh, let's okay. just um, uh, take us so take a step back real quickly. Um, so you did all this, you're out there paying your dues. I've, I've read your story about paying your dues and this and that, but then yeah. the story takes a, a small turn here. I guess it could be a large turn. That's not taking some bookings. You had, you had a couple injuries and you had to get through that. And now you're, now you're through your injuries and you're starting on your way back from recovery and, and this thing's going to happen for you. Right. Right. This is where we're at right. now. So yeah, I guess so, tell us about your foot injury or your actually both feet, I guess. Yeah, both feet. Okay, so basically I had a thing in my feet called plantar fasciitis. I've had it my whole life. And as some people, it normally happens to like, how do I say this? Like construction workers, like manly jobs where you're on hard concrete or, or um, let's see, or just elderly. Some people have things called bone spurs, and if you've ever had a callus, like when you work out and you get calluses on your hands, or even on your big toe or something rubbing on your shoe, like the calluses on your skin, bone spurs are basically of the bone. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have those, and it causes inflammation of your muscles down there. They like rub, and I don't have those. 
So I just want to make that very clear because every time I say plantar fasciitis, everyone thinks I have bone spurs. I don't. I didn't. I don't. And I don't. It's something you're born with, and that's not the case. But I do have. I have suffered plantar fasciitis for like 15 years of my life, and basically, my the muscles inside my feet um, naturally would swell and inflame, and it would cause the most worst pain you could imagine. And um, it got really bad in LA. I was sleeping out of my vehicle in the daytime, man. I was uh, doing a physical manual labor job, you know, like everyone looks down on Walmart and thinks that we just greet people and dick around. And no, I I did the unloading the semi truck. I was like the only female that did that. I got challenged a lot in LA with that. A lot of sexism happened. A lot of guys are like, Oh, the girl doesn't need to be back here. I had a lot of weird shit said to me. And I always outlifted the guys. Like if a guy put one case of water over his shoulder, I put one case of water on both shoulders. Like I would carry two waters just to prove to people that I was worthy. And it was a little dramatic of my like 20 something year old ass to do that. But I would always try to outlift the guys back there to prove that I belonged. And I was suffering plantar fasciitis at the time too. So just imagine both your feet just hurting like a bitch. And I'm going to cut in here real quick. I, I have plantar fasciitis. Now, do you have bone spurs? No, or no, what I your just say? nope. It's just the tendon in the back. Just it's literally that you your foot flattens out, exposes that nerve, and that tendon gets fucked up. And yeah, so you understand? Is it in yes. one foot or it's both? Both. And I wanted when I first got it, I wanted to cut my fucking feet off. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, does so it inflame was, just like once a month, or does it happen a no, lot? So or? I, uh, so I actually, I wear shoes with really, really, really high arch supports now. Um, okay. I, I would yeah. say the brand, but I don't want people to think that I'm fucking. Shit. Well, that shit's expensive, though, man. Well, that no. Shit's so, so check out this brand called Vionics. They're on Amazon. I have picked up sneakers for fifty or sixty bucks a pair. I get Chelsea boots yeah. from them for two hundred a pair. Um, I've been wearing them for about seven years now. It's awesome. For the most part, mine is under control. But I know exactly what you mean because you wake up in the middle of the night and your fucking feet, you don't know what's wrong with them. They're just killing you. You're driving your car and it goes all the way up your shin, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you get it. The crazy thing, though, another point I want to make is not only did I have that, I don't anymore. I had the release surgery. So that's one thing that really... That's the one thing that really, not saying you were doing that, but there's that's the one thing that pisses me off the most is the suffering and pain I've had in a wheelchair. And everyone's like, oh, I have fasciitis. It's like, bitch, I had that for 15 years. I don't, game over. I don't have that anymore. <laughs> this is on the next level shit. I had my muscle released. And, and then everyone, like, you know, shuts up. And I'm just like, guys, I don't have fasciitis anymore. The muscle's not there anymore, baby. <laughs> and, uh, and because, like, it's, I think it's a pride thing because, Everyone's like, oh, I have fasciitis, or my grandma has fat bone spurs. It's like, I don't have bone spurs. And then when people are like, oh, I have fasciitis, and I'm not in a wheelchair, it's like, bitch, it was yeah, the surgery no. that put me in a wheelchair. No. It's like so many people judge me for being in a wheelchair for so long, and it's like, no, it was the recovery of the surgery that did it. I, I hate that kind of comparison, too. Oh, I have this, and I'm not, and you know, I have X, and I'm not Y, and I'm thinking, fuck, man. Yeah, I've taken- and it's like, dude, you're valid in your pain. You're valid, but don't fucking come over to my level. It's like with Nathaniel. Nathaniel shattered his clavicle in three places and has a metal plate in there. And you know how many cocksuckers walk up to Nate and it's like, oh yeah, I broke my collarbone once and I was out for three weeks. It's like, bitch, you you just compared like literally a, a shattered clavicle 
to one break. It's like, how could you do that? And it's like a dick measuring contact with so many people. And it's like, your pain is valid, but don't compare yourself to me. Yeah, look, I mean, you I've know fallen, what I mean? Yeah, I've fallen off of a ladder. But when I was at a job site one time when I was young, a 19 year old yeah. kid fell off the second rung, broke his neck, and died right there. Holy shit. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you, you can take whatever fucking injury you want. What happens to you is not what happened to me. You exactly. Yeah. But the cool thing is, the cool thing is, you get my fasciitis pain, right? Okay. So with that pain that you know, I was sleeping in a vehicle in the hot sun for seven months. I was doing a manual labor job. I wasn't dicking around at Walmart. I unloaded semi trucks. And then I went to kill it in the gym. I was trying to be a bodybuilder. Then I went and I wrestled for three hours a day and trained and they they thought it was funny to make you do 600 squats every day. They thought it was funny to blow you up before we even started training. So I did that, and my pain got worse and worse. So my fasciitis pain, it would last, like, maybe it would hit once a month, and then it would go away within, like, two days, maybe a week. The pain would not go away. When I say it was every single day, it was every single day, and I was not resting it. I was ignoring the fasciitis pain in both my feet. I was ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it, and one day... When I was wrestling and I was thrown over the top rope and I, instead of landing on the apron, I, um, instead of landing in the ring, I landed on the outside of the ring on the concrete and I heard two pops in my feet and the swelling was so bad that when I slammed down on the concrete, I tore my ligaments Hmm. and my goofy ass ignored it for two months. I continued doing my manual labor job, going to the gym, wrestling. I walked around with torn ligaments and the best way to explain it is your ligament is like a celery stick and you know those all those multiple different layers of like little hairs every single day because I did not rest I kept on re micro tears just kept on re-tearing my feet for two months out in LA because I was so fucking stupid and stubborn to say I was hurt I would pull into the ER right there in Los Angeles and I would cry in my vehicle because I had no medical insurance and I would just hyperventilate and cry and not know what to do because I did not go into the ER and, and have them help me. And I would just sit there, cry for a couple hours and then pull away and go and wrestle at Rikishi's. Like that was my life. And it just I gives remember, me anxiety. Um, I called you, dur- Bobby. I yeah, I was going to say, you. during this time, we were speaking about once or twice a month, you'd call me or text or you'd say, hey, you know, are you around because of the time difference? And sometimes, you know, it'd be like 7 o'clock and it'd be 10 o'clock my time and I knew the difference yeah. there and I'd be like, oh man, shit, she's just going to the gym or she has to go to work later on or then there was a couple of times we'd be speaking like at 1 o'clock in the afternoon you're just like, I haven't even been asleep yet and I've been doing this and this and this, you know. Yeah. And then I, I, then I didn't know, I knew the injury was serious but I didn't know how serious it was but I knew you was also busting your ass doing that manual labor job, you know, yeah, because you, yeah. you told me about that but so for anyone out there you know i know we've got a lot of different uh listeners out there and we have several from the um uh, ftc that you know i'm involved with over there the, the people the, the like tracy smothers used to say the struggle is real you know people make sacrifices for this business and and i think your story is just fascinating to 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 know you know what you've done thus far and now here's the thing 
So a comeback, and you've had this, this setback, rather, is going to set the stage for the comeback. So now you got the wow. new gimmick, you know, you got the Scream Queen, you got the Chainsaw gimmicks, y'all got some killer outfits, man. Uh, the mask are killer, uh, great designs and all that. So what's next on the horizon, man? You gonna get your ass out there and get some bookings? You come back here, get some training? When we gonna see you on TV? I mean, what, 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 what? <laughs> so what direction do you go to? Where? What direction is next for you? And, right. and also to kill Billy Nate. Right. What's so, the next? good question. Good question, Bobby. Yeah. So, uh, just to summarize, I've been out for four years. I mm -hmm. had to try to. The doctors do not do the surgery, the release surgery, when you tear ligaments immediately because it's the bottom of your feet. And to summarize, it took me two year, two and a half years in a wheelchair. Uh, the mm. first year to try to naturally heal it with uh, steroid shots directly in your feet and mm. in the hard cast. So I couldn't walk for a year. Then they did the release surgery and I couldn't walk for a year after that. And then I taught myself 19 and a 20. I taught myself how to walk again and 20 and a 21. I started losing my bed rest weight. I put on not many people know this. I put on 130 pounds in that wheelchair and all this past year I lost a hundred pounds. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so after four years of wheelchair surgeries, teaching myself how to walk again, which was the worst pain you could ever imagine. I started from 30 minutes at the gym. Like I would just stay there to by the end of the year, I was staying in the gym for 10 hours and I would just tell Nate, leave me, abandon me at the gym. Like I have to walk. I wasn't bodybuilding. I wasn't going crazy. I was just walking for 10 hours yeah. at the gym and once I did all this and I re recovered, now I've lost 100 pounds and I'm about to lose the other pesky 30 that I put on. My goal is to be medically cleared this summer, which you guys are hearing at first. I haven't announced it yet, but uh, I'm going to go to my uh, foot specialist and I am going to get medically cleared to wrestle. And now I'm not going to be an idiot and be like, okay, I'm going to get all these bookings, all the people in my DMs <laughs> that want to book me in Australia. This one guy wants to book me in England. I'm not, uh, dude, it's, it's, it's cool that people want to book me, but I'm not going to just jump the gun and get booked immediately. I just taught right, myself how to right. freaking walk again, bro. Like I, I just learned how to walk and I'm just now medically cleared to weight lift. I'm not going to go in a ring and like break my arm or something or hurt another person. Right, so right. what I'm going to do, focus on losing this extra pesky 30 pounds so I can be, as I call it, TV ready. Um, I, if like. I want there to be not an unflattering shot of me. You know what I mean? Like if I bend over, get in awkward positions wrestling, I want to look hot as fuck. I'm not going to be yeah. chubby, which no body shame. People can look however no, they want. No body it's shame. My it's my it's my preference. So so let me ask I'm you gonna... this: looking looking hot as fuck. Hold on a second here. <laughs> Let's get you a little plug in here. Let's get you tell them you have an OnlyFans page. Right. I do have an only let our page. let our yeah. fans know about that, and I, because I only see your pictures on um, on Twitter, and I know you've got Instagram, I know you got Snapchat, uh, all those different things. But tell us about your OnlyFans, where people can maybe uh, you know see how unflattering and sexy your ass is. How about that? <laughs> and I mean oh that because we're friends. You know how I'm gonna talk to you. You know me. And you just no, talk. I love it. We're just yeah. talking. Yeah, <laughs> guys, go check her out, man. Go give my girl some love, okay? And, yeah, and Nate don't get mad when I say this is my girl Paige. He 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 likes that too because I know it's I know you're his girl. Thing is, we're trying to get you some publicity out here, uh, you know. So tell them where they can find you out on the OnlyFans, man, and tell us about uh, that page. Yeah. Okay. So if you go to any one of my social medias, whether it's Facebook, Facebook makes you have a last name. So I have Monroe, like you know Marilyn Monroe, on there. So it's 
Dahlia Monroe uh, on Facebook or Instagram, The Black Dahlia, or Twitter, The Black Dahlia. And if you go to their, uh, one of those uh, social media sites, I have the link in all my bios. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, Dahlia, The Black Dahlia um, on OnlyFans. And it's just such a great, like, think Patreon, but better. Think going to a wrestling show and seeing a gimmick table but this is the virtual i call it my virtual virtual reality gimmick table and you can a lot of fans request me to do things on there and you can get vips but basically it's just exclusive access to things that you're not going to see on instagram or twitter and um like i said a lot of fans a lot of men and women on there request hey can you do such and such in a video for me and i can send it out in a vip and everyone can have access to that um but you'll see exclusive content that's not on any other platform. And I highly recommend going to support me, a struggling artist. And I really appreciate it. It's only $10. Yeah. $10. She's a model, actress, and professional wrestling man. Uh, Paige, listen, I wish you nothing yeah. but continued success in your career. Uh, Jeremy, oh, have any you. more questions before we go into some other little chit chat here real quickly? Cause I know we have a couple of house cleaning things. Let's talk about my books. I got to talk about some appearances and, uh, uh, Paige just loved hearing your story. Want to continue to stay on the, stay on the line with us though, as we do a couple other things. Yeah. Jeremy, you got any other well, remarks or questions? I, I, there was a couple of remarks I want to make about her time in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. when people in Los Angeles say they drove for an hour, uh, most people from outside California need to realize we're usually talking about a quarter of a mile in an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I worked at the uh, Santa Clarita uh, Walmart, mm-hmm. and the Planet Fitness was right there next to Burbank Airport. So what is that, a 15-mile uh, <laughs> distance? Yeah, and it took me an hour at 7 a.m. Yeah, leaving work. Yeah. Uh, Los Angeles is the only place I've ever been where you can be in a traffic jam at 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, and and then the other thing is look so walmart is owned by the six richest people in the country or whatever okay um and all these people that work there always seem to need help like like government assistance or other things or can't get by on certain things that pisses me off yeah but but we're talking about somebody living in their car in los angeles you you also if you're outside of this area you need to realize that a cardboard box on the side of the road is about $6 million in Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh, I looked on Craigslist and yeah. just to not even have your own room. Cause a lot of people have like three bedroom apartments and people rent rooms just for someone's couch. Not even a room on Craigslist was 500 a month. Yes. That is, Jeez. that is not unusual. Oh, trust at all. me. Yeah. I guys, everyone listening. If, uh, you guys think I did it for fun? I didn't sleep out of my vehicle in the daytime for fun. I didn't shit and piss in cups for fun. I didn't spend a hundred dollars yeah. on vitamins to have them melt in the hot sun and be fucked out of vitamins for a month. Shitting and pissing in cups is not a dream of mine, but I did it for wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember speaking with you about that, and I was like, can't you just get a room off someone? You're like, Bobby, this one guy's like wanting to rent us a closet space, and it's like $1,500. And I was like, are you yeah. shitting me? You're like, no, I'm telling you, this is this why privacy. we're doing this. It's, yeah, yeah, so. But hey, oh, yeah, and uh, then school. School was retarded as well. So just to start, you had to do a down payment of $1,000, and so times that by two, because it's Nate and I, so 2000 to start. And then first month's rent, was going to be like 300 it's 300 a month to go to school out there and i had them wiggle it down because it actually it was like 
289 so basically 300 and i was like hey guys can you make rent or can you make school payments only 200 a month and they did that for me so it was 200 for me 200 for nate so it was 400 a month to go to school out there my dumbass, where i was sleeping on my vehicle was like listen i'm gonna make double school payments a month so i can get this out of the way and then maybe i can actually rent an apartment or rent a room and so in six yeah. months i could have school paid off so my goofy ass paid 800 a month to go to school at rikishi's 800 a freaking month and i just did by the time seven months rolled around i had torn ligaments fuck's sakes yeah. uh, Bo- oh bobby, i know yeah crazy. bobby do you have do you have your notebook nearby Yes. Just put a note down there that um, I want you and I to talk about wrestling schools and uh, yeah, and yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You shot me an email or a DM about that, and I was probably um, probably a um, few beers deep. That was <laughs> I do remember uh, that. Rikishi's, I do remember that. That was Rikishi's ratings, which I paid double, so it would only have oh, been yeah, yeah. three hundred a month, and yeah. I paid four hundred. And that was for two, and then a thousand down payment. Now with uh, Funaki, it was three hundred down payment instead of a thousand. And then each time you went to train with him, like I said, it was Monday through Saturday. He charged twenty five dollars a day per person. But because we were continuing going, he brought it down from twenty five. I think it was just twenty. So twenty times two, and then times that. So that's forty a day times that by six, and that's how much yeah. Nate and I paid to train under Funaki. Oh, and people man. wonder why I was homeless. Like, come yeah. on. Well, speaking of schools, I just want to say the Art of Grappling School will be taking new students real soon in Ironton, Ohio. Uh, Jillian Hall and myself are the trainers there. Those prices that she's mentioned are outrageous. I'm sure the owners can work you out a deal uh, if anyone wants to come down here and train, whether it be for a day or for a month or for a career. It just depends. They had a tremendous show last night and at the Rone Theater over in Ironton, Ohio. We'll be back over there. Yeah, you caught that, Jeremy. We'll be back over there in a couple months. We have a couple student shows coming up. I'll promote those later on. Right now, I want to... Uh, August the 7th, I saw my Shane Storm last night. My main man, Shane Storm, him and I got together. We compared notes. I'm going to be managing him against Jerry the King Lawler and the bash at Beckley, uh, at the Beckley National Guard Armory. Hell, that might be... Uh, uh, the promoter right now uh, is texting me telling me what the finish is. I don't know. I'm just saying. But no, uh, since I've taken this booking, as we've known, I've talked to Shane about this last night, we got to come up with a plan because Dennis Condry's coming in as the enforcer for this match. So you got Jerry the King Lawler, my main man, Shane Storm. I'm going to be in his corner, Blazing Bobby Blaze. And you got the legendary Dennis Condry, uh, you know, kind of being the enforcer of the match here. Also, all kinds of top talent. Too many people to list. Uh, just go to the ASW site. That's uh, Saturday, August 7th. I know I got several people traveling to Beckley, West Virginia with me. Also, Saturday, September, shit, September, I'm like now August. August the 14th, <laughs> I'm at the Time Warp at the Ashland Town Center. It's uh, basically back to school with Bobby Blaze. Uh, man, they just had uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan down there, uh, D'Lo Brown, Bob Orton Jr., Tony Atlas. Uh, they got a couple more names coming. Um, I'm not going to mention them right now uh, because I haven't made them public yet, but they've made mine public. I will be there at the Time Warp at the Ashland Town Center signing uh, autographed pictures and uh, also books. And speaking of books, real quickly, if you go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, that'll take you to the Amazon site to get books. Uh, 
pin me, pay me, have boost will travel. If you go to tinyrl.com slash blazebook2, that'll take you to, um, I kicked that on to the education of a wrestler. Just go to those two, uh, get your copy of one of my books, help to support the sh show. Uh, Jeremy gets a little bit of money put in the Amazon account. I sell a book, I smile. Uh, you read the book, you go away happy, and hopefully leave us all a positive, positive, um, fair and fair and honest review on the books as well as on our podcast and i want to say once again thank you Paige. thanks for being on our podcast thanks for having me on bobby we got some cars out there where you're at honey i hear them yes i'm sitting in my vehicle outside the gym i'm sorry someone was trying to you need to get in there and get your pump on yeah get in there and get your pump on um Jeremy, what else we got? You what, Paige, you want to thing to plug anything else? I know you're at black underscore Dyla 47 on Twitter. You can find me at Bobby Blaze 744. Find Jeremy at the Geekish Cast or follow our joint account at Bell to Bell Blaze. All those on Twitter. Give out the information where I got a chance. Someone cut me off on being a heel. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Dahlia, Paige, however you'd like to be addressed, one, go ahead and give us your social media addresses again. Yeah. Okay. So like I said, you guys can find me on Twitter, on Instagram as the Black Dahlia. Um, I believe it's like Black Dahlia underscore 47. And then uh, you can find me on um, Facebook as uh, Dahlia Monroe. And then, of course, OnlyFans is my other platform I'm on. So it'd mean a lot if people would just subscribe. Uh, I always respond to DMs on there. Like a lot of DMs can get lost on Facebook and stuff. So like on OnlyFans, I always respond. So I look forward to hearing from everyone on there. Fantastic. All right. Yeah, guys, go check it out. And if uh, you like what you see, go ahead and subscribe. Yeah. All right, Bobby, let's go ahead and hit the two bad pieces of news from this week. Okay. Real quickly here <clears throat> from, uh, uh, <clears throat> July 7th, we lost a wrestler, uh, another professional wrestler, another professional brother. Uh, that was Chris Youngblood, man. And uh, he was the son of Rocky Romero, uh, brothers to Mark and Jay. Uh, you may remember from WCCW or also even uh, WC in Puerto Rico, Global Wrestling, USWA, or as uh, from his time uh, as Pronto uh, with Devastation Inc. And I think it was Skandar Akbar of that correctly. Uh, they, uh, he's a Native American is what he uh, portrayed as, as one on there. Um, cause it was, they played it up. It was in their blood, no pun intended, but Jay passed away. I think at the age of, uh, uh, 57 or 58. I can't remember when his birthday was Jeremy on there. Um, I know it relatively, you know, young, young in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, that was Chris Youngblood. May rest in peace. Also, as many know, um, it's no no surprise now, and we're getting the news late just due to our recording time. Uh, this hit us earlier this week, or uh, we spoke uh, about a couple people last week. Sadly, uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff uh, left this world on July 12th at the age of 71 after having some uh, major health issues. Uh, his son Travis posted online a picture of how he didn't look too well just a couple weeks weeks ago um he was needing some you know he, they got him home they got him cleaned up and and you know obviously uh saddened in his passing but i think he got to pass away some dignity you know he got his hair cut got him shaved and actually you know it showed him sitting at a 
sitting at, his, I think, his son's home, uh, having a non-alcoholic beer, but he was shaved and had, you know, he, he looked good, you know, then a different where they showed him a picture of him having dementia. Now, his son has since taken that video down. He had to put that in there so his father gets some help, apparently, because he was left. Um, I don't want to you know, speak out of school, but apparently some things happened with the health insurance or or whoever was taking care of him. Uh, there's some allegations going either way. We won't get into that, but the, the fact is, Paul Orndorff, one of the greatest bodies of all time in professional wrestling. Uh, the Brandon Bull played football at University of Tampa. Had a couple of, um, cup of coffee, I think, in uh, Green Bay and also New Orleans before he got into professional wrestling. I think he played football in Tampa as well. Uh, uh, Ship bandits, I can't. Anyway, nonetheless, uh, Mr. Intensity had that intensity. Also, WrestleMania number one, you know, he, he worked in Florida territory, worked his way up through Crockett promotions all the way to WrestleMania. And then I personally knew, got to know Mr. Wonderful in the early 90s um, when I was working with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, done a few shots with him down in Georgia when he was doing, he had some knee surgery and I filled in for him on some uh, shows, got to know him a little bit. And then when um, I was told with uh, Kevin Sullivan, I approached him about a job, he said, call Paul on Monday. And I called Paul Orndorff on that Monday. And I'll tell you this, every time I spoke with him, Paul Orndorff was a good man. He was a straight shooter. If he told you something, he meant it. He was impeccable with his word, which I respect. Um, he, uh, you know, I, I spoke to him a couple of times about my, my deal there that I had. I went into the office. We spoke as men, as, as Arn would say, we're just two gentlemen discussing business, Bobby, you know, and, um, <clears throat> I always had that with Paul Orndorff, man. And, um, you know, you hate to see, uh, some of these guys, um, you know, diminishing their health as they get a little bit older and, and certain things happen, um, CTE and, and, uh, just, just whatever, you know, I don't know what to, to say about that's just that I know when I dealt with him in his prime that I dealt with a real man, a real human being, and I had nothing but respect for Paul and the way he treated me and talked to me. And, um, uh, you know, the world needs more Paul Orndorff as far as when they do this business because he was straight up and honest, and that's hard to find that someone's going to tell you, hey, this is where I think you're at, kid. And he sit across the desk and tell me, this is where you're at right now. Where are you going to go next, you know? And, um, that's that. Rest in peace, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Um, I must, I'm quit rambling, Jeremy. Well, I'm Add gonna, in. I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and make a comment real quick. Uh, yeah. Chris Youngblood was only 55. Mm. So he was okay. younger than I was thinking. Um, yeah. Bobby, I, I got to say, Paul Orndorff was the first heel that I cheered for. Yes, you told me that, that yeah. big heel turn. Yeah. And I was going to say, the only thing else I want to say about that, and, and, and I know that was a big, big deal for you, Paul Orndorff, and I, in my book, that second book, I talk about top 10 moves. I put the I put the pile driver as number one for the most devastating move. And I mentioned in there, Paul Orndorff, he had the jumping pile driver. He had that extra ump into it. Beautiful pile driver, man, that he would do, you know. Yeah, so. he, his pile driver looked like it would kill you. Not only not only would it break your neck and give you cancer, it'd just kill you on the spot. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, something my brother reminded me, well, he didn't remind me of directly. He wrote on Facebook about, uh, Paul Orndorff and that heel turn on Hogan. Paul Orndorff used, I am a real American for his entrance music for the next six months. (laughs) I didn't know that or I forgot it won. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that was pretty badass. Now that guy was, that guy was a badass. Uh, you know, if you want to hear how bad of an ass he was, 
go find the story about him and Vader in the shower. Um, yeah, we've got that on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, slash BBBB video. Look for legitimate tough guys. And uh, Paul Orndorff, we listed as like, I think, at number eight, but he has. I think 235,000 views on our YouTube page, Jeremy. Yeah. So uh, it's our most popular uh, YouTube video out there, um, and I imagine it's going to get a lot of hits this week too, just to let you know. Um, but, yeah, check that out. Check out the stories behind the scene of um, uh, Paul Orndorff and Big Van Vader. My funniest story, and I wrote it in a book about it, Brad Armstrong. Now we ended on this, let you two finish it up. So we're in Tam- uh, Orlando, Florida, Universal Studios. I love this. You got about 150 guys out there in a big old studio, man, going to shoot TV all day. So every morning they put the whiteboard up and they have five different shows. Every show starts an hour apart with a half an hour break in between. So you got guys from Mexico, Japan. Uh, then you got all the guys, you know, working WCW. A lot of guys, Florida guys, the Minnesota crew. You know, you got the uh, Southern White Trash crew. I don't know. I'm just down there. What can I say? You know. But anyway, uh, so every morning they gather together. They put the board up and, and they put the names on there. Who's wrestling who for the next five, you know, tapings of that day. So if you know the story about Big Van Vader uh, telling Paul to basically screw off and then they had to dispute, blah, 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 go go check it out because he's a tough guy. So um, everyone's crowding around. Orndorff comes in there and goes, hey, hey, guys, let me get your attention. And man, you know, you got like 150 people in this room. Like I said, it's big studio and echoes and all that. And out of nowhere, this little voice says, fuck you, Paul. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and Orndorff just keep walking to the center of the ring or center of the room rather. And if I even bat an hour looking up, he goes, I know that's you Armstrong. <laughs> Cause it just cracked up the room, room kind of like you popped just now. Oh. Paul, uh, Brad Armstrong bent down and, and gave that big band Vader voice went, Fuck you, Paul. Like, and when he did, it just broke the ice. We'd been our price set. Usually went for like 10 or 12 days. So we'd been our like, you know, five or six days, maybe seven. And then Brad just broke the ice that morning. You know, people sitting around having coffee or, or hung over or just getting in or whatever it is, man, for these tapings. And, uh, Brad saying that and Paul just not even breaking stride going, he just says something like that damn Brad Armstrong and everyone just pops, you know, and it starts from morning off. So it kind of gave us a, a bit of energy to start that particular day. Yeah. So, uh, Paul rest in peace, Brad rest in peace. Fuck you, Paul. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good, funny story there. But anyway, get us out of here. Pace. Thank you. I love you, sweetheart. I'll talk to you soon. You, Jeremy, take us out of here. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, it has been our pleasure to put the show on and your pleasure to listen, uh, for the late Tex Johnson, myself, professor Jeremy Vilmer, the lovely and talented black Dahlia and Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, double B Bobby blaze. Bye-bye everybody. <laughs>